Do you guys want to tell me the questions? No. No. Oh, okay. Welcome back to another episode of Lemon Pepper Web Podcast, bringing you the latest, the laughter, and the lessons we learn along the way. The lemon is what leaves a sour taste in our mouth. The pepper is that hot topic that has everybody talking, and the wet is what quenches our thirst and gives us life. Join the conversation on Twitter and Facebook at Lemon Pepper Wet and Instagram at Lemon Pepper Wet Pod. I'm Bethany. I'm Christina. And I'm Priya. I'll take the cat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know where to begin. This week we have, you know, I don't like to play favorites, but this is my in real life best friend. We have Mm. Priya Danani. Honestly, this feels like an honor. Really? Aww. Yeah. You're just yeah. saying that. Stop. Do you not see who likes every single post <laughs> and listens to every single podcast? Okay, so you know how this works. Yeah. You know how this yeah. goes. Yeah. I don't even need to tell you what's about to happen. Right. But I do, since we know you so well, we want the people to know you mm-hmm. too. So, um, what's your relationship to Atlanta? Um, my parents moved here mm-hmm. for work from New Orleans okay. when I was about 10 years old. And you've just been here ever since. I've well, been here sort of. ever since. <clears throat> and yeah. now you are? Now I'm in D.C. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's so fine. I needed to leave Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I feel like people always feel like they can find themselves or things outside of their home. And then you find... The people that I really love and need are just at home. <laughs> I just keep coming back to it. I keep visiting it. <laughs> so I'm not sure. So it didn't work. You didn't find yourself outside of it. No, I probably found it more here and just real. you know, you just realize the things that feel more important. Mm. It's just kind of hard to see. I don't know. That's cute. That is cute. I'm I not mean, sure it's always, <laughs> it always makes sense. I come home and I'm like, fuck these people. <laughs> they gotta have a home in DC. <laughs> Yeah, like when it gets too much, you can always come home. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so we have you on the podcast today because there's been a lot. There's been a theme, and since we really started the show of sexual assault, sexual misconduct, abuse, trafficking, pedophilia. Yeah, yeah. there's been a lot of sexually deviant crimes. Right. And not to say that these are new tropes by any means, but I feel like it's a lot more, it's the it's pushed more to the forefront lately. It's the pepper. It's the pepper. It's been the pepper. For a year. Yeah. <laughs> or more. Yeah. So we, we know what you do for a living, but do you mind kind of describing your role and what you do as a career? Yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is, like, I know that this has been in the forefront, but the three of us have been talking about this. Yeah. For years. For years. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I think women in general have been talking about yeah. it for years. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I saw something the other day and someone was like, it's so crazy that all of a sudden, and I'm like, no, this isn't all of a sudden. Right. This has been happening since the beginning of right. time. Now it's just having its moment in the spotlight. Right. I think if you say something like that, then you must be living a level of privilege. Yeah. You must be a man. And or even some women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, because we'll, and we'll touch on it later because yeah. there are a lot of women who are coming to bat for these sexual deviants or sexual predators. Mm-hmm. Like, you are living a life of privilege for sure. Yeah. Um, I think anytime someone tells any story of any kind of trauma, if you have, if your inclination is to give some sort of rebuttal, mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. certainly living a life yeah. of privilege. Right. I'm not racist, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. <laughs> <One of> those. <laughs> started off working with trafficking survivors and I'm not sure I actually knew what I was doing but it was more of a 
this is what's needed right now and you're the person for the job so figure out how to do it mm-hmm. so I just started taking a lot of training and going to workshops and talking to people and even trial and error like I screw up one day and I'm like okay that's not the right thing to say or that's not how I should have handled this situation and then figuring it out again. And when you say working with trafficking survivors, what exactly were you doing? So in the beginning, I was providing case management, which is like this whole process from when you meet a survivor of how to figure out what their needs are, what can I do for you? Right. So it's not me saying, oh, go to the police, you need help. Like, I can give you some suggestions, like I think we should go to the hospital or something like that, but it's mostly them telling me what they need and then me being on top of it to figure out how to do that for them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like their resource person. Gotcha. Okay. And then moved more into prevention because I was like, how many of these girls am I going to see until we start to think about how do we change it? Right. So I started doing prevention education in schools. And the funny thing is, I was like, oh, I'm never going to be teaching kids. Right. I'm not about that <laughs> way. Yeah. And here I am with teenagers and loving it. Yeah. Absolutely loving it. They're, they're so real. They're so raw and honest. And so we're talking about, like, pimping. We're listening to the 50 Cent song, you know, and they're like, oh, I love this beat. And then they listen to it. And he's like, I got this hoe in the street and I bought her a chinchilla or whatever. Right. Like, whatever the words are. And and they're like, wait, he's pimping around. Yeah. Like, yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's the light bulb. To teach about right. Or yeah. sex trafficking. The glorification of pimp culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And then now, is are you still doing that, or what are you doing now? So I wanted to figure out what it looked like internationally mm-hmm. a bit more, so I create programs um, for women mm-hmm. who've experienced violence. Or not just women, even men, actually. Mm-hmm. So okay. I've it a bit more. And you're doing that, you said, on a global, international level. Yeah, more international. I'm working with more governments. Um, and and what, give us an example of like some places that you've gone to, to do this. Mm-hmm. So my last project, I was in Lesotho. Mm-hmm. Um, when at it? <laughs> landlocked country in South Africa. people don't know that they have very um, high rates of HIV mm-hmm. and a lot of it's due to gender-based violence. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I work with this huge government grant, you know, I'm talking in the millions and they're trying to do 50 different things. So they're trying to figure out how to create a referral system. So how does a girl access all of these services, mm-hmm. legal, uh, law enforcement, psychosocial services, mm-hmm. then how do we get to the community to change your minds a little bit about like how we think about women? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think it's important. And I think we're doing important work, but I start to question what does it look like when a U.S. government is telling an African country or another country that you need to do behavior change. Yeah. Right. Because people who live in glass houses should not throw stones. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. So some, I, I struggle with that a little bit. Now the role that I'm in, um, because before it was grassroots, like I'm on the ground, I'm able to talk about the intersection of like race and sexual violence Mm -hmm. because a lot of the girls that I was working with were black or Latina Mm -hmm. and we don't talk about that race factor shit if we touch that we must be getting into deep waters Mm -hmm. because everybody giving us money is white right Mm -hmm. so we had to try to tread that balance carefully or tread that line yeah to keep a balance and I was just like why we're not really fighting for what what we say we're fighting for if yeah. we're not talking about right right because nobody are lo- nobody's looking for these girls right, right. we're looking for them uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a larger I think we'll get into that but I think that's a larger thing to think about because people are like oh you help people great violence great and it's kind of like all the people giving money mostly white all the governments that are doing these grants they tell us what to do right do you and find, how to do it. Sorry. Do you find when you go to these predominantly black and non-white countries, do you feel like there's resistance to you trying to change or reform? 
Yes and no. Mm -hmm. So part of it is like the, I feel like this runs in deep, Mm -hmm. but if you rely on me, then that means I can give you X. Yeah. I make you dependent on me. Mm -hmm. Right. So these services that we're offering, you know, it's going to help your community in some way, but you're not really a part of that. Right. Or we say you're a part of it, but there's this power inequality, you know, there's a lot there. So I get the final word of how this is implemented. Right. So I think that they, they're really grateful and, I've really worked with some amazing people, mm-hmm. but I also try to address that power dynamics. I'd be like, you're the expert here. I'm just trying to help you get what you want. Right. And I say that from the get-go. Because when I was in Liberia, I love this. man. I'm never going to forget it, but I started my first day of training of how to bring more women into agriculture. Right. And he was like, you're from white man's land. Why should we trust you? Right. I was just going to say, I bet there's a lot of like generational <clears throat> trauma that's kind of ingrained in people because these are the most colonized lands in the right. world. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I could totally understand it. There, there, it, it would be weird to think there's no distrust. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No? Yeah, sure. you'd be ignorant not to think that. I think I get a pass sometimes. Because you're brown. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, there's so many Indians in Africa. Yeah. So the food, the culture, there's, like, especially East Africa, there's so many words that are Hindi as well as they are, like, Kiswahili. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Sometimes I get a pass, but other times Indians have been horrible too to the people who live there. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, colorism. Right. Right. (laughs) So I, I think it's interest interesting how I get treated. I always think about that. Yeah. Versus somebody who's white gets straight out. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. You cut from the get go. Right. say that as women mm-hmm. I watch my back wherever I go right. I always carry a knife like oh right you, you strapped <laughs> girl <laughs> and I just feel like I'm always constantly thinking about that but there is a part of me that feels invincible a little bit you know and I think that's like oh well it's for the greater like I'm doing work that I believe in so I should put myself in positions where other people live every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I shouldn't be afraid of where other people live. Like, I hate when people are like, oh, you go into the ghetto or yeah, say some yeah. dumb ass shit like that. Right. Like, or is that place, you know, yeah. there's a, there's a certain dialogue that a lot of white people or non-black people have about certain parts of town. I mean, even here in Atlanta, it's yeah. like <clears throat> my white co-workers, my white female co-workers, when they say I'm moving to East Point, it's like are you going to be safe down there? Like, as if you're concerned about me being a woman, but really you're talking about it's a place where black people live. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I would be, I will be. You? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and of course we don't mean that, but it's kind of like, if you want to be ignorant, I'll go there with you. Like, I'm going to be fine. (laughs) You know what I mean? You ain't going to be fine. (laughs) You're going to rock in a minute. Exactly. Like, I mean, that's probably not the right thing to do, but it's just, just so like, I see right. exactly what you're saying. And there's so. so there's so many similarities there, right? Like, people would be like, oh, you went to Africa? I'm like, which of the 52 or right. 54, how many ever countries yeah. that be? Like, please yeah. don't think of Africa as one just one right. place. Right. There's many different countries right. in Africa. Yeah. And we know a lot of women in our life who haven't been safe in this country right. and in these streets. Oh, right. So don't go telling me that Lesotho or Ghana or whatever is what it is because... These, the, these are the, their realities. These are their lives. So mm-hmm. stop insulting it. Right. But speaking of safety, what about with what you're doing? Because you're 
going there to kind of reform and maybe change the way people have been right. thinking for mm-hmm. generation do you are you ever afraid of the pushback on that I'm never afraid of the pushback because I feel like change takes time. Like we can push as many buttons as we want and I'm okay with challenging people. Like it doesn't make me uncomfortable when people resist because that's life, right? Like you try to change something about me, I'm going to get defensive. Right. Right. Like it's just, I think that I come more open to. When I was working with survivors, it was definitely more scary. Like I was getting calls from pimps and getting, you know, more threats that way. Like our office had to be confidential. I was, um, I don't know, we had a pimp follow us one time and then chase us down the street. Like then even working with gang trafficking actually, cause yeah. like they don't play no jokes. Right. Yeah. They don't give a fuck who you are. They'll right. chop your body up in pieces. Right. Yeah. So I think I was more fearful then, but my thought process was, well, if these girls are scared and I'm supposed to have their back. Right. You, now who, you know how they feel. Right. Who the fuck am I to be like, oh, this is my safe side. You right. know, you yeah. do what you got to do. Like, if I said I had your back, I got your back. Like, that's, Don't I know it? Yeah. Don't I know it? <laughs> uh, I want to Please tell the people the story. I feel like I've told the story. I mean, listen, this is all y'all need to really know. Is that the three of us here are truly like when you say ride or die because I think people are now starting to question like why I gotta die though you know what I'm saying like with the three of us with the three of us I think there's never a question there's never any like doubt in our minds like either we ride in or we die in or we like yeah like we're going in and just know that when when you see her that's me (laughs) (laughs) oh can I please say that I've we've all known each other early teenage years I'm just saying like some of the oldest friends like well, family years old so, so like 17 years is that it that's weird that's weird to think yeah because oh. yeah when my sisters were born we were in 8th grade yeah. So yeah somewhere around 7th 8th grade but I will say that there's some things that never change and when I knew you as a child you've always had this activist spirit right yourself like you you would go to Priya's bedroom and there'd be like posters like the amnesty posters (laughs) and we were 12 like what the fuck is an amnesty like I don't know what that is you know what I mean (laughs) explain me this is right (laughs) I am confusion You guys know who listen to us that we don't like to talk about Robert Kelly on this podcast. Fuck that nigga. We never say his name. We never like give. There's always so much surrounding him, and it's just like I don't know. I think I don't. We try to keep this our safe space, but in light of new developments, I think we would be remiss not to. Is this a Robert Kelly episode? It's not going to be a Robert Kelly episode, but given the fact that he's back in the news and he's been charged again. Yeah. And then with the Michael Jackson thing. I wasn't prepared to talk about this. Okay. Okay. Let me just say this. This is where the, this is where I can, hmm. This is where the cancel culture gets real for Okay, me. the cancel culture has gotten real for everybody. The with, the Mike, with Michael Jackson. With Michael yeah. Jackson. Explain the cancel culture. Can, well, we... Here on Lemon Pepper Wet, we've canceled several people, <laughs> including Robert Kelly, Trump been canceled. He wasn't even on. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he wasn't even on to be canceled. Right, right. But, I mean, cancel culture is just when your favorite celebrity or athlete does something problematic, so from here on out they're cancelled like you don't listen to their music you don't watch them play games you don't read their books or whatever the case may be so Chris Brown Chris Brown's cancelled for you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's see. A lot of people would have an issue with this. And I don't know. Chris Brown, I, 
I don't care about Chris Brown, so it's nothing for me to cancel him or yeah. not cancel. Him. I think, and I think with cancellations comes the like, can you separate the art from the artist? Is that even the a thing? Question. The age old question, which the more I think about it, the less I'm like, yeah, you can. The more I feel like, well, the reason that these people have as much power as they do. Mm-hmm is because of the streams and the tour support and the record sales and the album sales. That's why R. Kelly is in a position to be able to take these women and do whatever he's doing to and with them. Right. And not the only person doing that, right? right? Like, using your power Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. I think it's hard to know when that happens, Mm -hmm. right? Like the Bill Cosby, like, don't do his reruns no more, right? And people are like, oh, I love the Cosby show or whatever it was. And now it's like, can you watch it and look at it the same way? Or do you watch it and you're giving money to somebody that you don't want to be giving to? Yeah, Yeah, because they're collecting them royalty checks. So, yes, you're still putting money in their pockets. And then I guess when when the... with this um, reemergence of the Michael Jackson story with Wade Robson and the other young man, I feel like to a point, and I think we live in a culture or a society where we rely so heavily on extrinsic things like mm-hmm. music is my life, yeah. Michael Jackson is the greatest one of all time. Was my childhood. Yeah, like all my that childhood. stuff. You're ruining like, my childhood. Exactly. No, it happened already. Yeah, and we can't so ruin I think, anything that's happened. And then mm-hmm. I tried to a moment with myself like could I never listen to another Michael Jackson song for the rest of my life yeah the answer is yes yeah I've listened to so much Michael Jackson I have that and I appreciated that for however many years I did and now that I know what kind of person he was or now that it's been brought to the light I don't I don't believe they're lying I don't believe those kids are lying is there a statute of limitations he's dead now so this is it this is where I'm I didn't watch the Neverland situation. Me either. I also didn't watch R. Kelly's Me either. Neither. thing either. I don't need to. But three peas in a pod. Why they're bringing this up again after he was, he already went to court, not guilty, all of that. Why are we bringing it up? Again. And okay. he's dead. All right. So well, we can't do anything. Let's talk him. about that. We, um, because I think that's a really great question. I think a lot of people ask that question about a lot of survivors. Like, as a, as a survivor of sexual abuse myself, mm-hmm. I didn't speak up until 10 or 12 years later. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think every person who has been traumatized in that way has a right to speak up regardless of right. what the circumstances are at any time. So... For me, I think the question that the only question that I had or the only like apprehension that I had is because I'm always screaming like believe survivors, believe women, believe, you know, people that have gone through this, like most often they're not lying, you know what I'm saying? And what do they get from lying? That's another question. So what, what happened to me is I was like, I believe survivors, but I have a hard time believing white men. And that was the... That's your caveat. That was the caveat. Because I was like, it's just I don't trust white people very often. Yes. And even more so white men. Right. So to have a white man telling this story and asking me to believe him, knowing what I know about the white men white men at large, yeah. it is very hard for me to say. Mm-hmm. Or I am I am gonna take a moment to listen to people that are saying, Oh, they're just trying to get money. Yeah. yeah. They were they're opportunists, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I'm like, hmm, doesn't sound too much not like a white man, so yeah. you know what I mean? But when it boils down to it, I just can't I can't imagine myself being that person that's like this person was sexually abused and I'm the person to tell them that they weren't. Right. Or yeah. I'm the person to be like, I don't care what you're saying because that man was great. Right. You yeah. know, like, I'm still going to support him no matter what he did because his music changed my life. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, it's almost the same thing. It's yeah. The, it is the same. It's the same thing. And I was just like, I I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, yeah. I won't listen to Michael Jackson. 
relaxing because I can't think about it. Like, I can't even think about it. I don't want to, like, the more you think about it is when you start questioning the survivors, and I don't ever want to be that person. Did y'all question survivors when it was, you know, mostly, like, the white boys against, like, the Catholic priests? No. No. Because it was Michael. Like, it was MJ, the reason that, like, it made it hard to be believable. Uh Uh-huh. I'm just asking because I remember the first time he was, he, I don't remember how many cases he had against him, but he went through trial and then, Michael Jackson. yeah, and then didn't have, um, he wasn't found guilty for any of them. Right. Right. And here I am knowing what I work in was like, oh, well, you know, he's, he's not guilty. Yeah. Right. You had all these kids who went against him right. and I just had such a hard time. But when they went to the priest, I was like, oh, I know those bitches doing it. Right. <laughs> We like Michael Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Period. Yeah. You know, like, I will say that I liked R. Kelly's music, mm-hmm. but this was clearly before I knew the extent of what he was doing mm-hmm. to these women, most notably um, Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that was my first knowledge of right. him. And even then, we were still young. We were younger than Aaliyah. Yeah, we were yes. younger than Aaliyah. So, so it was kind of middle school conceptualized, yeah. like um, what the nuances are. Right. You know what I'm saying? And what this actually means when a 28 year old is married to a 15 year old. Right. Why that's not okay. Yeah. But to get to circle back for just a second, mm-hmm. do you have any insight as to why a survivor of abuse might wait? What are, what are the reasons that you've encountered that people stay in their situation for as long as they do or they wait 10, a decade, two decades to come out about it? Right. I think a lot of it's fear. Mm-hmm. We don't look at survivors of violence the same way we do of survivors of a crash, for yeah. example, or of even like burglary. Right. You know, like if you got something stolen, nobody is like, oh, well, why'd you buy an expensive jacket? Right. You know somebody's going to take it. Mm-hmm. Nobody says it like that, but you have a survivor of sexual violence and it's automatically, well, did you entice him? Mm-hmm. Were you, did you put yourself in a position to be able to be raped or sexually assaulted? What were you wearing? How drunk were you? Right, right, right. And so there's that fear of people are not going to believe me. There's the other fear that you get labeled then as a survivor and this is your only identity in life. You're like, this is a part of me of something that happened to me, but it's not who I am Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Or that people want to know details. Mm -hmm. That is very intimate. It's very personal. And, like, if I put somebody on trial, I have to go through that, and then people have to watch me go through that. Right. Or if I tell somebody, they might be asking me details. They might care about me, but they don't know the right questions to ask, Mm -hmm. and they want to get into that. Um, The other thing is trauma a lot of times um, keeps people stuck at a certain age. Mm -hmm. And so your brain is literally trying to deal with something traumatic that happened to it. Mm -hmm. And it happens to us at different points in our lives. Like something might scare us and we can think about that for a long time versus like, um, I don't know, everybody can remember where they were for 9-11. Right. Right. That was traumatic for all of us and that's why we know where it was. Like where we were, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, And who we were with and where we were standing and when we heard it. But it's the same thing with, like, violence is that our brain is really trying to create a coping mechanism. Right. So if you were abused when you were, I don't know, 12, and you you haven't talked to anybody about it, you didn't tell any about it, you're going to develop a lot of mechanisms that defense mechanisms that are trying to deal with that. Right. Do you feel like those defense mechanisms that you've developed are kind of regressed also like a lot of times you're dealing with things the way maybe a 12 year old person would absolutely Mm -hmm. you're making decisions as a 12 or 13 year old would Mm -hmm. um this i don't know if this is getting too much into neurobiology but let's go there (laughs) that sounds like a fun place (laughs) (laughs) this podcast is going so (laughs) sciencey (laughs) 
horns grow from the back of our head to the front. And they don't finish growing until we're about 25 to 26 years old. Yes. So the front of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, is all how to articulate emotion, how to make complex decisions, how to think about the future, right? It's also, inevitably, the more Im- the most immature part of your brain. It can be. Okay. Wow. It definitely can be. If it doesn't, right? Because, like, if you're thinking about your brain developing from when you're in the womb to 26 years old and you have something in the middle there that Mm -hmm. disrupts that, Mm -hmm. your brain grows differently. Mm -hmm. It grows in a way to adapt to whatever situation you're in. Right. So if this happens at a really young age, you have to think about your brain is trying to still grow that front part. Mm -hmm. And so we might meet like a 26-year-old who may not be able to make the decisions that you think a 26-year-old should make, but have to think about from the impact of what happened, Mm -hmm. of how that changed the course of of the brain development. Wow. That's deep as fuck, and that explains a lot. It does explain a lot. I I mean, it speaks a lot to why oftentimes abused people become abusers. Um, Mm -hmm. My next question in regards to that, though, is when you do have a person who, I don't want to say their reason, but oftentimes the fact that they were abused plays a part in them then becoming abusers. How, as a society, do you handle this behavior? Because not only, I mean, I get that justice reform is fucked up, and I get that the prison industrial complex is fucked up, Mm -hmm. but it's like, when I think about the people that I loved, if someone were to commit violence towards them in a very specific way, I'd be screaming, the first one, put them under the jail. You know what I'm saying? But I do know that that is not always the answer. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts, and you, Bethany, too, like, what are your, you guys' thoughts, because I don't fucking know, on how we should be actually handling people, pedophiles, and other kinds of abusers, you know, like how should those people be handled? I don't know. I mean, I I think the topic in general is very personal. (laughs) It's dicey. It's personal. It's multifaceted. You know, someone who is a pedophile is sick. Mm -hmm. They have an illness. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do you rehab that? Mm -hmm. And that person has caused, they have also caused a lot of damage to another person. So it's like, there's now there's two broken people. Like we need rehab on both sides. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if throwing them in jail without reform Mm -hmm. is like a complete answer but emotionally yes throw that motherfucker in jail yeah, like yeah. kill them I don't care yeah. like I that's how you feel sometimes. yeah that's yeah. that's really like my raw feelings about someone who violates a child perpetually also yes yeah yeah, I don't even. Care. I, know, I know that, like, and it's interesting because in the age of social media, you get to see, I get to hear a lot more opinions from people that didn't ever fucking matter to me because I don't know you. Yeah. But I think then you kind of get what the collective consensus is, and that's why for a few days now I've just been like stepping into Instagram and stepping right on. me and it kills me to see so many people like oh you know this is just the white man's effort to break to bring down the black successful guy or the black successful man and these girls knew what they were doing y'all better get that keep that same energy with Harvey Weinstein y'all you know know what I'm saying it's just like yeah you know what really pisses me off is that it's always when it comes to stuff like that it's always people like the dialogue is like oh well she was being fast like she was being a fast little girl and Mm -hmm. that's what really pisses me off like why are we placing the blame on a young person Mm -hmm. who like you said their brain isn't even developed they're out here with half a brain (laughs) (laughs) it's like you as a grown ass man you are at fault right you're you're the one at fault 
she did. I like, know. I don't care if she came <laughs> on to you. That's when you step in as a, an adult. Like, this is not right. Mm-hmm. You need to go sit down somewhere. I need to remove myself from the situation. Mm-hmm. And, but like we said, and not that you're not right. Yeah. Because oftentimes that simply can be the solution yeah but then you have to like we said get into that conversation of Robert Kelly himself was abused as a child he and his brother endured years of abuse and we know this now so it's like that decision making that you were talking about that decision making process oftentimes isn't there for that person or you got half a brain too or you're in a situation where um i was talking to my roommate about it about how this person is actually completely delusional and i know we say that a lot of times flippantly like oh you're delusional or you're out of your mind or whatever but it's like no this person lived in a world where everyone around him made him feel like the things that he was doing were We're okay okay. yeah you know and this is all that he knew for as long as he's been doing it Mm -hmm. You know, I think it also goes back to, like, when I was going to these schools to teach kids, mm-hmm. right, anywhere from the ages of 13 to 24, because mm-hmm. they had night school, um, 90%, <laughs> I was like, some people didn't understand. I was like, I'm not going to colleges. <laughs> you know, these are high school students yeah. or middle school. 90% of the time, like, we would read a story where there was a girl who was raped or whatever, and we described her in a way that... Um, that made other students always put the blame on her. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. I was never on the boyfriend who abused her in this story. And this is a story that I just made up, mm-hmm. right? It's not even real. But nine out of ten time, they're like, well, once a hoe, always a hoe. You know, yeah. she going to be a hoe. Yeah. And I was like, you know what's interesting is that, like, when one guy calls a girl a hoe or says something about her, that gets believed. But it takes 50 women right. to make her believe that Bill Cosby right. was a rapist right. or right. that right. R. Kelly's dumbass was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get that. Yeah. Yep. He's going to get, gonna that. get it all right. On this podcast. Yeah. yeah. And just to, to, if you haven't, um, if you don't know what we're talking about, about R. Kelly and Michael Jackson, research it. Google yeah, it. Yeah. Like, we don't need We to don't have time, time for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and don't listen to this podcast if you don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, about your ignorance. <laughs> I ain't about that life. Um, okay, so that brings me to my next question. Um, what are some of the ways that people experience abuse? Because I think that oftentimes it's just simply physical violence. If it's not physical violence, then you need to man up. Yeah. Don't wear your heart on your sleeve, whatever, whatever. If it's mm-hmm. not physical or exactly like sexual abuse or sexual misconduct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't understand that sometimes the things you say can be abusive. So can you describe some of what you find are the most common ways that people can um, administer abuse or experience abuse and also the most like kind of cloudy like people just don't even know that they are being abusive or that they are being abused you know i positive that both of you could respond to this question yeah Yeah, Yeah. very much so and i think that it goes back to the idea that like we're trying to describe something that we can't show you sometimes right Right. and that happens with race as Mm -hmm. well you know like we talk about microaggressions Mm -hmm. and gaslighting right right and so I think it keeps going back to that that like we're not talking about the locking somebody in a basement and then sexually abusing them which is abuse (laughs) yeah not not abuse right is my second language. <laughs> You're doing great. You're doing a great job. Thank you guys. Amazing Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, that I think it has to do with the nuances of conversation and relationships yeah. Yeah. of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's not even just men and women. Mm-hmm. But like you said, sometimes women standing up for things or saying things about women of color or black women more mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. Abusive as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that it sounds really abusive. And it's really hard to separate whether that's sexual, whether it's emotional, whether yeah. it's psychological or right. physical. I, I can't tell you. When somebody touches your hair, I imagine that that feels like physical harassment. I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not 
definitely abused mm-hmm. um, and I don't think we talk about it enough. Right. We don't bring them into the conversation enough mm-hmm. and that's even more taboo than violence against women and girls. I was going to say, do you think that with your work specifically, a lot of times it, or most often centers around violence against women, do you think that gender-based violence should be kind of um, become obsolete and make the conversation a little bit more inclusive because you know gender is such a thing. Yes. Such a, yeah. I don't mean to diminish people's genders, but it's such like a topic of it's, con- it's, it's a, a hot topic. It's, it's a definitely a hot topic. <laughs> what it means to identify as one thing or the other or both or right. your appearance versus your gender and things like that. Do you feel like there will ever be a time or do you feel like there should be a move to kind of get away? from violence that is just all-inclusive and not necessarily gender-based or do you still think it's important to focus specifically on gender-based violence? I mean, I think there's... uh, So the flip side is, like, I think that we should be looking at boys who are abused Mm -hmm. because there is research that shows that men who witness violence even if they haven't abused, are more likely to be Mm abusers. So they see it within the home, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But on the other side, it's like, I think we have to recognize that women are abused at much higher rates. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a difference. Boys, usually it's more physical violence. Mm -hmm. um, And even the type of harassment and bullying. Mm -hmm. And then for girls, it's usually more sexual violence. Mm -hmm. But like... I feel like saying, oh, well, these are both equal. Like, no, there's definitely an inequality here Mm -hmm. that puts girls, yeah, more in positions of... So I'm not sure that there's, like, a one answer that Mm -hmm. fits it all, but I think it just makes it hard to say overall. It's like saying, oh, well, white children get abused and so do black children. And it's like, no, like... You have to think about socioeconomic and racial inequality. You have to think about all those things that set up black children and maybe have more stress or more trauma mm-hmm. in some way. So I think people don't like to think about those nuances. People are like, oh, you just pull the black card or the race card or you pull... Like People think that that's how it works. And you're like, no, there's so many intersectionalities of this. It's mm-hmm. not just one thing. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you say that, or what would you say is the demographic that gets targeted for abuse the most? Well, that's hard. Or even, like, sex trafficking. Sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. In this country, 
it's definitely black women and Latina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a level of labor trafficking, and that's usually men. Mm-hmm. Um, but labor yeah. trafficking as in? Like mining work or even like working in hotels or... Construction. Construction. Um, restaurants. Mm-hmm. A lot of... Mm-hmm. Asian women are trafficked into working into like restaurants and bars and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you promise somebody that you're gonna give them a visa or you're gonna do something. Okay. Like yeah, that's papers. a good. Can you touch more on that about how people sometimes because you know <clears throat> for me when I think about my privilege and the life that I live, I feel not that anything's impossible, but I feel like. I'm not necessarily in a position to always be susceptible, as susceptible as some other people may be mm-hmm. to be trafficked. So what kind of situations are these people in or what does it look like? Because I understand that, or my understanding is that it can often be a subtle like exchange for goods, for services, and then before you know it, this person is your provider mm-hmm. and you can't escape and now you're doing things that you didn't think you could do. So explain how that kind of happens to just some random 15-year-old girl going to high school. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, that's a really good question because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people think it looks like taken. Mm-hmm. You get abducted yes. and, and like <laughs> it's very nobody dramatic. wants to go to Europe. Right, right. I was like, oh, this one white girl who went to Europe yeah. got taken. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but it is mostly. Um, it's more a relationship, right? Like you getting you're getting at the emotional factors of what people want, like the really human side of things, and you're targeting R. Kelly to bring it full circle, targeting a 15 year old girl, and it's like if. I can't feel confident in myself or I feel like the world's not listening to me, but you're listening to me. It's a very emotional connection. It's not because, oh, all young girls are just vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's a very human need. Mm -hmm. And so manipulating that Mm -hmm. and making, um, you know, the pimp or the boyfriend the sole provider. Mm-hmm. Like, we've all either been there or know somebody who has. We're like, she's being abused or he's manipulating her or he's isolating her from her friends. Why is she doing that? It's really easy to see, but when it's us and we've been in positions where we've stayed in relationships way too long where people don't treat us well. Mm-hmm. Like, even on the smallest non-violent level like yeah. Yeah. with somebody you know ain't shit right yeah, yeah. there's that emotional but attachment them. exactly and we've let them take a part of us I don't know I, I, well I don't know if like take a part of us but let us controlled a part of our lives that we wish wasn't controlled by yeah. them or we realized it later, later once we weren't yeah. there <clears throat> yeah I definitely had that realization in really after after the fact after like the fact, yes. oh this motherfucker was really isolating me from my family and praying on the fact like we talked about earlier like there's always been this nurturing aspect that I have so if you're the kind of person that's like I need you I need you I need you for emotional support and please don't leave me I'm gonna be so sad or even in some cases I'm gonna hurt myself if you leave me though even those kinds of things it's very indirect and it's very convoluted but it is a form of abuse and it is a form of entrapment it's like you're preying on my whatever right. on, on, whatever. on your emotional connection yeah. like mm-hmm. you're praying on the on my loyalty yeah even. yeah you yeah. know why would I leave you if you're needing me right mm-hmm. you know I want you to need me right or I want you to want me to help you right for whatever reason right That's or just that. like I think the very idea that if if this is a situation where somebody feels like they need you or like that you want to be in this relationship, you may not call it, you don't call it violence at that point or right. you don't yeah, call right. it those terms. Like how we were talking about why do people wait so long? Because I didn't know what the fuck to call it. Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't rape. I didn't, okay, I was too drunk, right. you know, but this mm-hmm. thing happened. Mm-hmm. But like, did I ask for it? I don't know. And then years later, I'm like, wait, that was what I thought it was. I right. just didn't know to call it that or I didn't right. to call it X. So 
that I feel like that happens more often than not and escalating that situation into being like, Hey, I paid for all these things for you. I paid rent for you. I've been taking care of you and you can't do this one thing for me. Exactly. You, you ain't trying to be in this relationship. You say, you say, you got to die. Until you get to this point of like no, not necessarily no return, but like this person's life is in danger. Yes. Like there is a pyramid, but oftentimes you do get in those situations and you mm-hmm. see a girl that's like, oh, it's been like this for the whole time she was in high school and college, and now that she has a baby with him, she's really dependent upon him, and now he's saying, bitch, if you leave me, I'll kill you. And you know, it's so crazy how often I see like people posting memes about men threatening women because that's it's pussy too good. Or the, to me. I'm just like that is weird. It's fuck that people have actually normalized that verbiage and like my mom one thing she always says to me god bless her soul is she was like i don't play with niggas like i don't play fight with them yeah i don't i don't do that you will never see me wrestling your dad i'm not whatever you think that's cute she was like but if he says he's gonna hit you he will yeah and if he says he's gonna kill you he will right and so she was like i don't even let him think that it's okay to put his hands on me Mm -hmm. it's not even for play play Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that shit st- sticks with me. And what I've seen is time and time again that there are these examples of you see a man and a woman arguing in the street, or somebody catches it on video, and he's like, "Bitch, out da 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 da" to you, and you're like, "Wait, is that? Did anybody else catch that?" Yeah. Because in my mind, I'm like, "Oh, he will fucking do that." You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then you see examples XX Tentacion like mm-hmm. be- beating his girlfriend, and you're like, "Why is she still there?" You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But the fact of the matter is, he's probably been telling her that. He will do this for years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And nobody thinks he's serious or that's just how niggas are. That's just how they talk. No. Yeah. Or even, um, you know, women who report that their significant other has been abusing them or threatening mm-hmm. them and they're not taken seriously and then they wind up dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there was that case of the woman, I think last year, where he like came to her job and killed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's like, even when the victim has realized they're in a bad situation, like, sometimes they're not helped. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, it's fucked up. It's, and I, I don't know. You get, blamed, you get blamed for saying, you know, the person who's doing it doesn't get blamed. Right. It's always that person who's staying. Why'd you stay? Why'd you stay for so long? Or why didn't you say anything sooner? Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like... Like you said, placing the blame where it actually belongs. Yeah. Yeah. I it's crazy. I mean, we're having this conversation because I'm I'm trying to in my head think about like, okay, let's let's like scale it up. Like what do we do now? You know what I yeah, mean? It's like, almost like uh, it's such a daunting reality and it's such a daunting set of facts. Like we laid them all out here and sometimes yeah. it can seem like they're is no solution or or it's never ending you know what I'm saying like when you even go think about what you do on a global level it's like holy shit where do you even fucking start because this is a global mindset like abuse against women is pervasive across the world yeah you know so it's like you know do you ever feel every day wasn't doing it in a healthy way when it when I was first like hearing all these molestation cases and working with these girls like we were staying in hotel rooms with them you know for next day when they had like grand jury and I would hear them screaming in their dreams or in their nightmares in their sleep like 
I came home and I cried and I drank, you know, until I couldn't feel myself anymore because that's what felt great. So when people are like, oh, you're this great runner. I'm like, I started running because pain makes you go fast. enough of it and I need to find boundaries which I'm still figuring out how to do that but I'm not the only one just yeah I work in it but we live it mm-hmm. yeah and we figure out how to deal with it every day and we That's read true. it every day like you said you hop in and out of Instagram it's cause that stays with you when you mm-hmm. think about how to respond to it throughout your entire day and it's draining mm-hmm. yes that I also think like thoughts. like The internet can be very triggering. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a very triggering battlefield right now, especially since cases of molestation and assault and rape and trafficking Mm -hmm. have been the pepper Mm -hmm. for a couple years now. Like, for me, I'm just like, I can't. Mm -hmm. I need to mute all of these, but I also want to know what's happening. I want to be aware, but I don't want to be... I don't want to get, like caught up in it too much. I guess just on a personal, or not a personal level, but a very, like, visceral... I'm I'm just trying to think what is the takeaway from all of this, and I think what really pushed what when we had a conversation about bringing you on, Priya, is Mm -hmm. because seeing, again, again, seeing people's thought processes and opinions was, was really just had me thinking like, wow, people are just so ignorant to what abuse even means and what it yeah. looks like and why it happens to people and how you become susceptible to it. And I think it's good to have a conversation about it so that if two people listen to this and they're like, oh damn, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah. oh, I know my homegirl, her dude talks to her like that. You know what I'm saying? So like, if, if you can take anything away, it's just that I think abuse happens on this grand, huge scale that people can't even encompass because it is so ingrained in our culture and our upbringing and the way we see each other. and Our, our comedy. Our comedy, said. yeah. Like, <clears throat> so... I'm just like, maybe if one person or two people listen to this and they think to their own situation or someone that they know and love, like, oh, that sounds like this person or that sounds like a situation that I'm in. Like, if you could start to see things a little bit differently, if you Mm -hmm. feel like you have a little bit more insight into what it means to be a victim of abuse and an actual abuser, what that looks like, I guess, then we've imparted something on you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, it's just heartbreaking to see people, like, you know, and you'll have every, every so often, like, oh, why did it come out, why did it come out after so many years, you know, and you have people so, every so often come in and say, yeah, if I was a victim reading these comments, I wouldn't come out either. Exactly. You know, so it's just like, I don't know, knowledge is power, as cliche as that sounds, but it is important to just have the conversation and talk about it and just, I don't know, if we, anytime I'm like trying to talk to the people, I look directly at the mic. situation, uh, like a compromising situation, or someone who feels that they have put someone else in a dangerous situation, an abusive situation. Um, should I leave my number on the mic? <laughs> I mean, whatever I mean, you, I mean, we could write it in the notes. Yeah. We could give us some links or 
is the I think So I think that we should put some resources okay. in the links. So y'all should definitely check those out. And I know it feels like you might be putting your business out there by calling some random number where you don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. But know that these people are actually trained to be able to handle these conversations. And it's just a conversation. It doesn't mean you have to make a choice about anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you put somebody in jail or put them away. You could talk to somebody for a year. Like I had a friend who worked a hotline and she said, I had the same woman calling me all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just talked her through it. Mm-hmm. She said for seven months. Mm-hmm. So I know, like I would say, reach out to like the closest people and thing like that, but people may not know the right things to say. And that might deter you from what you're actually thinking. I would say, take time to think through it. And if you think something is wrong, don't second guess yourself. Mm-hmm. I think intuition it's something that we should follow. It is powerful. And follow it. Because if something's wrong, it probably is. Mm-hmm. And we do this all the time. We have interactions throughout our day. And I'm like, should I be so offended by that? Or mm-hmm. should I be mad at that? And I try to talk myself out of it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I felt a certain type of way because you did some fucked up shit. Right. Yeah. And it ain't no if ands, and buts about it. Yeah. yeah. You're making me second guess myself because yeah. people keep telling me Yeah, I we make so many allowances for the everyday abuser, the white woman who touches your hair in the grocery line right. or the person who says, I love your skin tone because you're so olive yeah. You know what I mean? Like we make so many excuses and give them so many passes but the fact of the matter is for those of us who can like like we talked about I understand a lot of times there's a dependency issue or fear of violence or fear for your life and you may not always be able to but for those of us who can it's it's important to speak mm-hmm. up when it happens yeah absolutely people need to know when they're being fucking violent and abusive and shit. yeah yeah and even when you don't think you are I think it's always good to question yourself and your actions right all the time I feel like I do it with y'all mm-hmm. a lot like whether it's about being non-black or where we grew up or wherever it was mm-hmm. I feel like we can all say like we don't know everything and we don't know the right way and to that's fine be. to not know but everything yeah, yeah but say that like y'all do you'll do it to me whether it's questions about immigrants or something else you mm-hmm. know it's just like right like it's like let's be fucking straight up like we don't know it all so let's ask it the right way and we know we can ask it to each other so have people in your life you could do that with right yeah Yeah. Uh, find those people and I always too am I try to be conscious of the fact that nobody is required to teach me anything yes because Mm. I think a lot of times it can be very taxing (laughs) people want to know like oh I just want to know the right thing like why are you getting so upset like y'all can learn about fucking climate change and my favorite <laughs> I heart Erica she's always said let you say you about to adopt a puppy white people got all the fucking resources they yeah. know all the fucking answers because y'all research that shit you read about it because you fucking care about it yeah, yeah. so yeah. take keep that energy mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like you said there's tons of information on the internet read a book read a news article like educate yourself mm-hmm. you know yeah. like before yeah. you come to me asking me to teach you how to do some things and I'm speaking very to a very specific group of people yeah. like you know it, it men alike you know what I mean I just had a conversation with a good friend the other day about how something he did was not okay and he was like you know I'm really trying to learn I'm really trying to ask you for your help and I'm like no motherfucker because you also told me taught me how about how wolves can change the geography of the fucking Yosemite National Park. Yeah. Why the fuck do you know that shit? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you you can do this. I believe it's in possible. you. Yeah. yeah. So I mean take responsibility too for those of us who are aware, self-aware enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Priya, this has been very informative. I think this has been the greatest episode this to date. So good. <laughs> think it has. I enjoyed it. I think we learned a lot. We yes. had a science lesson. We had an R. Kelly <laughs> Michael Jackson lesson. Yeah. We had geography going on. We um, had a lot. I know you're not a social media person, but <laughs> <laughs> do you have anywhere you would like to direct people? Even if it's just a professional. Yeah, even if, and maybe not even dealing with you specifically, but if mm-hmm. there's somewhere that you would like people to go to educate themselves mm-hmm. or something they need to check out for themselves, where, where should they go? 
Um, I think you should check out Rain, and that's what two N's R A I N N. They do a lot of work when it comes to violence. Um, and that's just a great resource. Is it like rain.org, rain.com? Is it a physical place? I think it's .org. Okay. We're looking. We're checking on that right now. Yeah. What else? Um, if you're, if it's a trafficking situation, mm-hmm. then there is a hotline number. Mm-hmm. Um, with Polaris Project. Okay. So if you just put in Polaris, P-O-L-A-R-I-S, you will definitely find that resource. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to... org, R-A-I-N-N.org. Okay. And it's also polarisproject.org. Okay. P-O-L-A-R-I-S project.org. Okay. Yeah. And both of those are great resources. And then when you needed to get into the nitty gritty of the intersectionality of violence, you need to read some Patricia Hill Collins, some Audre Lorde... Kimberly Crenshaw, get into all of that good shit. Yeah. Because that helps looking at violence and women of color and how that impacts um, this entire scenario that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So basically, I, I love this. This was yeah, a great episode. Take care of this everyone. This was fun. Yay. Yeah. It, was, it gave me a lot to think about. And if you guys have any input, any comments, any questions, any concerns, we could always forward those to Priya at any time. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> or well, answer them yourself because you're an expert. How about that? Um, yeah, you can talk to us on Twitter and Facebook at Lemon Pepper Wet and Instagram at Lemon Pepper Wet Pod. And we have an email, Lemon Pepper Wet Pod at gmail.com. So feel free to reach out. We're always here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.